Courier or impersonator fraud is where a fraudster calls a victim on the phone, impersonating the police or a bank. As an example, the fraudster may claim to need the victim to help them in a fraud investigation, eventually asking them to withdraw or transfer some money or even buy an item. I'm Josette Lesser, and joining me is Bernadette Laurie from Sussex and Surrey Police. Bernie, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. So just tell me a little bit about your job before we get on to talking about courier fraud. Okay, so I'm the financial abuse safeguarding officer for Sussex and Surrey, um, and I'm responsible for Operation Signature. That's our police process to identify, protect and support vulnerable victims of fraud. And it's because we recognise that vulnerability when it comes to fraud really needs an enhanced service of support and safeguarding. So we go that little bit further for those victims that we identify as vulnerable that perhaps can't help protect themselves from further targeting or further financial loss. So when you say being vulnerable, you're talking about people actually targeting these people. Yeah, so anybody could be susceptible to fraud, but being vulnerable is is perhaps something a little bit different. And that can be your age, can be your mental health, can be your physical health, could be your social isolation and loneliness, um, could be your financial status or a combination of those things. It's interesting, though, isn't it? Because we think that it's going to be vulnerable people, but people every single day fall subject to things like courier fraud. Yeah, absolutely. So fraud is the fastest growing crime type and it's responsible for 39% of all crimes. So just with that statistics alone, it is going to affect most of us, unfortunately. So it is the crime type that's most likely to affect everybody. That said, it really does prey on the vulnerable for particular fraud types and courier fraud is one of those that we see the elderly and the vulnerable more disproportionately victimised than other age groups or, or groups and that's because of their tendency to trust because courier fraud relies on trust. So what is courier fraud? So courier fraud is essentially when somebody is impersonating either a police official or a a bank official or um, somebody from a trusted organisation and they will telephone a victim and impersonate that person and then they will dupe the victim into parting with either their money or their cards or their PIN number in order for them to access their funds. So it's a kind of social engineering where the fraudster is getting the victim themselves to divulge that information, pass over that money, hand over that thing, and quite often they are doing it at the end to a courier who's turning up at their home address to either collect the cards or the cash that they've withdrawn from a bank. That's really scary because clearly they sound genuine. How do you know if someone is genuine or not? So they do sound genuine and they are very convincing and plausible and they will often try and encourage the victim to keep secret about it. So they will put pressure on them and tell them not to tell their friends or family they're helping police with an operation, they're doing an investigation into some bank employees, so they need to keep that secrecy and keep that going as part of the fraud. So what's really important for us is just to remind people that You could be anybody you want to be on the telephone. So just because they say they're from the police or just because they say they work for the bank, 
that doesn't mean that's true even if sometimes the phone number looks as if it is the genuine phone number because they can do something called number spoofing where they can phone you from what looks like the bank's number or the police station number when in fact it's not coming from that number so they are very clever they are trying to manipulate and and make people believe that they are who they're pretending to be or who they are impersonating so what we would really encourage is that you verify that identity so first and foremost police would never ask you to withdraw money as part of an investigation they wouldn't expect you to hand over personal details or card information and similarly your bank would not ask for your pin number and things like that so it's really important firstly that you know that this probably isn't a genuine call in the first place because you know what what signs to look out for but also if you have any concerns or doubts hang up and then make that call yourself use the number on your bank card to phone the bank look up the number for the police station and phone the police and verify in that way rather than trust that the person has phoned you is being who they say they are and I think there's two things there firstly that obviously you may hang up and then pick up the phone again to dial but the people at the other end have never hung up and so they're going to answer as though it was them still absolutely it takes two to hang up a phone call and I think it's really important to get that across so if you hang up the phone and they don't and you pick straight back up on that line it doesn't matter who you dial you'll get straight back through to those people who have hung up and again they can be convincing they'll play sirens in the background they'll play radios in the background and they'll make it seem genuine so we would always recommend that you hang up and either wait five minutes or call from a different phone the other thing is of course that occasionally you may get a genuine call for example my credit card company did phone me genuinely because my card had been cloned and even then Even though it sounded genuine to me, I refused to take that call. I hung up, I phoned back on the number that was on my statement. And the point I want to make about this is that if people are genuine, if it's a genuine company, they will not be upset by you doing that. They will appreciate that you're being careful. That's absolutely right. Whether it's the bank, whether it's the police, we want to be challenged. We want people to be suspicious because unfortunately, we are too trusting. Certainly the older generation, we find do trust on face value a lot of the time and don't question. And we really encourage that people do question and challenge and verify the identity. Because I think people, if they are persuaded, they don't want to be a bad person. You don't want to upset the person on the other end of the line. Yeah, and we really say it's not being rude. Just hang up, say no, don't be pressured, don't be coerced into doing things. You know, this is your money, this is your personal information. You're under no obligation to part with it. Let's look at worst case scenario. It all goes wrong and hopefully it doesn't. Hopefully now people will understand. Just hang up, wait. But what if someone does fall victim? What should they do? Well, we really need to know about it first and foremost. So we need that crime reported. We need the person to contact their bank if they've given out bank cards, get those cancelled. But we need them to report the matter to the police. Um, So all fraud should be reported to Action Fraud. But if you're elderly or vulnerable, we would really encourage you to call the local police on 101 or 999 if it's an emergency. 
Are there any other steps that people can take to safeguard themselves? So with crimes like this that are happening on the landline telephone a lot of the time, we would encourage people to get a call blocker, something like a True Call call blocker um, is a company we work closely with, and then we can install a, d- a device for those people, um, and they can act as a filter, really, blocking out those nuisance and unwanted calls and just make people feel safer in their homes. Does that cost money, though? They cost around £100 to purchase, but um, if somebody has fallen victim to something and they are vulnerable, then we do have some that we would fit for them through the police. And what about the fact that even with telephone companies, there are some vetting situations that you can put onto your phone? Yeah, absolutely. So each phone provider will offer some sort of service of of how to block and filter. And we just recommend that you really try to limit those calls coming through in the first place, as well as educate people what to do should they receive those sort of calls. And do you work with the banks as well? Yeah, we've got something called the banking protocol, where if somebody comes into the branch and is trying to make a transaction or a withdrawal, um, and they think that is suspicious, then they will call us under what we call the banking protocol, and we will then attend and prevent that crime happening as such. And we've had huge, huge volume of, of, of financial savings made across Surrey with a good number of calls from the banks, where they've actually intercepted, so the crime hasn't actually continued, and the victim has not actually lost those funds that they were about to lose and similarly we also work with the taxi firms who some of them are unwittingly the courier that is turning up they don't know that they are driving somebody to come and collect bank cards from somebody's house so we ask them to look out on behalf of those vulnerable people as well. So just to summarise what are the steps we need to take? So firstly, just be really wary if you get a call out of the blue from somebody purporting to be from your bank or from the police or or impersonating any official asking you to do something, either divulge your personal information or access your funds either physically or online. Secondly, we would really encourage you to look out for friends and family and get people talking about this kind of crime because if you know what to look out for, then you're less likely to fall victim to it. (laughs) 